educate, empower, elevate. Welcome to the Peak RFP Podcast. Welcome to the Peak RFP Podcast. Luke and Caleb are back with you today, and we're going to welcome back in Dr. Rob Wilson. We're going to be talking meniscal repair, following up on our podcast previously, um, meniscal repair surgery in that first six weeks. So today, we're going to take this from six weeks out. Uh, Dr. Wilson, again, is our sports medicine from Augusta University, team physician, Augusta Green Jackets, and the Augusta University Athletics Program. Dr. Wilson, good to see you again. Yep, always good to be on. Okay, Caleb, we're talking meniscal repair surgery. You've had a meniscal repair. You're now at week six. Dr. Wilson, you typically see guys around week six for that six-week follow-up. How do you play that? Yeah, my follow-up pattern for these, um, I really like to see people within a week. Most of the questions happen then. It's a courtesy visit really more than anything. I like to see them at two weeks for the incision. If people are struggling with resources or maybe not getting in the PT, then sometimes I'll even see them again for a four-week checkup sure, just to make, make sure, sure they're moving. Well, just to make sure they've got what they need to succeed, I think is the phrase that I use. But if not, then I'll see them for that six-week visit, usually get an x-ray, um, and then do a real good physical exam. Usually things are cooling off by that point. You can get a good exam. You can talk to people. You can kind of walk them down the hallway and kind of see where are we at in terms of our ability to either progress or do we have some homework yeah. to do before we're trying to get out of brace, out of crutches. Sure. What are you looking for on the x-ray, and what are you looking at with your physical exam? So different types of meniscus repairs, you're going to see different things on the x-ray. Right. If you're repairing things through bone tunnels, obviously you want to make sure that those bone tunnels have are, are the same size and depth in the same place that you anticipated them to be. Anytime I'm leaving implants in the knee, I always take an x-ray immediately following the procedure. And in six weeks, I want to make sure any implants I put in look exactly the same with that six-week sure. x-ray as they do in my immediate post-op x-rays. That's number one. Number two, I'm looking for my soft tissue shadows, which kind of seems backwards. But for a meniscus, as you as you know, you know, there's not a whole lot of bony changes that you're going to be doing. Bone tunnels, sure, but a lot of it's all soft tissue repair. But the size or depth of the effusion uh, will really go a long way towards telling me how well things are going on inside the knee, right? So poor man's MRI is what I tell the residents sometimes. But that that also helps me a lot to kind of know where they're at in the recovery. Yeah, I like that. And we'll come back to that effusion idea as we talk about rehab here in a little bit. Uh, What about physical exam? So on physical exam, I'm checking for range of motion. Um, my ideal range of motion is, uh, my ideal exam at the six week is they can form a good quad set. They can do a straight leg raise against gravity out of the brace, ideally with no lag, but a little bit of lag at that point in the recovery, especially if it's like a big meniscus tear. It doesn't really hurt my feelings too much. Um, especially the more restrictions you have, uh, the less the less ex- expectation for that. Active range of motion to just at 90 degrees. And so I'll tell them <clears throat> if they can get to 90 pretty easily, Go ahead and push a little bit further. Let's see what you get. And if they struggle to get to 95, that's a fantastic sign. Right. Because what that tells me is that I've got nice healing um, at that margin between the meniscus and the capsule. Um, you know, healing begets stiffness, uh, but that's where the balance with PT is so that they don't get overly stiff. Right. Um, but that's a really great thing to see because if they come in and they've got full range of motion in six weeks, you know, I'm worried that they've maybe been pushing the limits on their restrictions and, you know, uh, they may have blown through their repair already. Right. Yeah. yeah remember thinking back, these first six weeks with a meniscal repair, you have protected weight bearing, protected range of motion. And so those are important as we come into the six weeks. What should this knee look like, right? It doesn't have tons of range of motion. And and we, we're going to talk a lot about knee effusion, which is fluid inside the knee joint. 
you know, people say I have a swollen knee. So this idea of fluid in the knee joint really tells us this is the poor man's MRI about what's going on inside the knee joint. And moving from this six-week time forward, we're going to be looking at knee effusion every time you're in the clinic rehabbing because that tells us how we're doing. Can we progress? Do we need to slow down, et cetera? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously your physical exam, you can see effusion also, but again, you don't have to shoot an x-ray for these. I mean, some of that's case dependent, but I really think it tells you because especially if they have, like, let's say, for example, we did an inside out repair. There's more soft tissue trauma on that one. So sometimes you're going to have a little bit more superficial swelling. The x-ray really tells you how much of that is actually effusion. Yeah. Very good. Just looking at it. Yeah. I like that. Awesome. Okay, so you've had your six-week appointment, and and now let's say you're looking good, right? You're kind of in the middle. You're not amazing, and you're not way behind, right? So you're you're kind of in the middle. You're going to tell your your folks typically, all right, now we're going to start to do a little bit more, right? So we've been protected weight bearing. Now we progress the weight bearing with the goal of getting them back full weight bearing. We're going to progress the strengthening and the range of motion. So from that maybe that six-week to twelve-week is where we're really trying to reestablish normalizing range of motion, normalizing our, at least our non-weight-bearing strength and our quad ability, and, and, then, and then no effusion, right? Getting that swelling down in the knee. Uh, any thoughts, guys, on the 6 to 12 week? Well, I think, I think that's all true. And then, you know, we do want to load. You right. know? So there is what we call like a closed chain or weight-bearing based rehab that's going on. And that's going to start double leg at a modified depth. And then that will progress to a, a, a single leg or, or deeper or both. Uh, and, and sometimes just education point as we talk about this concept of effusion, I'll even kind of let the patient know like, hey, look, you've been protected weight bearing for six weeks. So if we see a little tick up in this swelling over the next week or two, that's not a bad thing. You didn't do something wrong. That's you're starting to load it again. And this is why we protected you for the last six weeks. And it's why we're not running and jumping today. Right. You know, so. Yeah, Yeah, that's super important. We kind of move a lot of times in the PT world, we're kind of think about kind of on the table and off the table. So as you're moving well, and you know, I always want to know, hey, what did the doc say? Right, you had your six weeks. Said, "Oh, it's looking good. You can keep progressing." Sometimes we're going to call you, text you, you know, whatever. But we're going to move to some on your feet drills now. Caleb, what you mentioned is super important. When we're going to maybe start doing a little bit of a hip hinge in a standing position, we are not getting a lot of knee bend. Right, we're going to do a little bit through our hips, but we're not loading that knee kind of in a bad squat position. We're gonna start slowly and just start to work on getting your foot in contact with the ground, using your hips and turning things on. But we're still protecting that meniscus very much in this six to seven and eight weeks as we start to get you on your feet. Yeah, zero to 30 degree squats, turn into zero to 60, turn into zero to 90. I can make physicians really mad at me if right. I'm like, hey, you're zero to 90, so today's week six, let's go zero oh, to 90 bad squat. Idea, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, bad idea. Yeah. yeah, and I think what I tell the patients is very similar. You know, in week 6 to 12, and I tell them this is the pre-op, and then remind them again of the six-week visit, our biggest focus is to get you out of brace, out of crutches, normalize your walking pattern, get all our range of motion back or as much as we can. Not everybody's going to get it all back by That's 12 right. weeks, but most. Um, and then also to try and eliminate our effusion. By yeah. about three months after surgery, you can have a realistic expectation that they should have a trace or absent effusion by that visit. If not, then you have to ask the question as a provider, why? There has to be an answer for that. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, that that's really good about um, what what is going on. Are we not doing anything? And so I'm still out there weak as a kitten and it's loading my knee mm-hmm. or am I doing too much? Oh, I've been working on some jogging starting mm-hmm. two weeks ago. Uh, when then we go, so who are you working with? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Right. That's we, you know, that progression of load. Then I gradually load, let the tissue adapt. And then I gradually load again, let the tissue adapt. So I, I love what you mentioned. Knee effusion is going to tell me how we're doing. Right. right. Absolutely. And some of that's not controllable. I mean, some of that is genetics and some of that is how people heal and, uh, and, and some other comorbidities they may or may not have. Usually in this population, that's not a major challenge, but it can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk. All right. So let's get to the 12-week time. We've been improving range of motion. Strength is better. Obviously, we're, we, we're walking well. We're weight-bearing well. We've been doing our rehab consistently. At 12 weeks, Dr. Wilson, what is your feel on, as you're giving kind of direction to the patients when they see you at 12 weeks, what does that look like? Right, so what we're really looking at is can we progress to doing what I like to call the more fun stuff, right? Right. Where I don't have, where I get to talk about more what we can do Mm -hmm. with physical therapy versus what all this like laundry list of things that we're, we can do. Protecting, sure. Exactly, and so really it's an audition for that. Um, At three months too, you should be able to get a really, really good physical examination. You should be able to at your surgical site, right? And so kind of getting back to what we said earlier, if there's any hiccups with the recovery, you should have an answer for why, right? And so by three months, you can really get a good physical exam to make sure I've got really good healing at my surgical site. Um, I can stress it. It doesn't cause pain. You can interview interview your patient and you're far enough out from the surgery by that point where most of the time they can tell you the pain from before surgery, is it there or is it not there? Or is it at least different, right? So we're looking at all of those things. And, you know, fortunately, you know, there, you know, with most of the ones you're fixing, there's a fair amount of people who can just tell you, you know, oh, yeah, this, this feels like my knee again. But yeah. if not, then you kind of look a little yeah. bit closer. Maybe you get some additional imaging uh, to kind of look. Yeah, uh, but, that, but if you're checking all the boxes at that visit, you know, and you can tell, you walk in the room, you know, they're sitting on the exam table swinging their leg, right. you know, yeah. just looking right at it. You see the soft tissue windows look like the other side, you know, you're starting to get some symmetry. Um, those are all positive predictive factors for being able to progress to higher level things like, you know, doing some jogging, doing some plyometrics, things like that, which right. is the next phase after. Yeah. So we're at 12 weeks. We want a knee that has little to no, hopefully no effusion, uh, good strength, walking well. You know, you, you can always tell it looks sick or it looks healthy, right? right? And so, uh, so let's say we got a healthy knee at 12 weeks and then and then they're going to be back with us, Caleb, and and we probably make a little more of a transition. Now, I say that, but the truth is we are slowly progressing up. So it's not like we mentioned at six weeks we all of a sudden start squatting. Well, at 12 weeks, we don't go crazy and double what we're doing. We just continue to add a little bit more and build on that. You mentioned, I think this is a really important idea, if you tore your meniscus let's say playing blast basketball and you planted and your knee gave out, right? You weren't, you, you, you weren't hit by another player. You just planted your knee went inside and boom, there goes your meniscus. That's called a non-contact injury. Now that usually means I have some problems and some weakness and some coordination. So talk to me about, um, that non-contact meniscus and Hey, am I okay to start running and jumping and cutting and planting at three months? 
Right. Well, so we are a quad dominant people. You know, we just know how to use our quads. And what that means is we use our knees a lot for most of our functional activities. And so when we're playing soccer, playing basketball, playing football, where we have multi-directional movement and stop and start um, mechanics, we're putting a lot of that stress through our knee. So non-contact injuries, you know, you're grinding and tearing that up and that's where the injury occurs. Obviously you have your very particular traumatic things where, man, that was just kind of the perfect storm of not what you wanted. And that's yeah, what my foot was planted, a guy hit me and boom. Right. right. So, so we have to be mindful enough to say, okay, we have this great repair, but if we don't fix how you move, then you are setting yourself up for another Injury, And, you know, we don't want to cascade arthritic responses, cascade more surgeries. And so we're saying, look, we need better neuromuscular control. We need you to learn and we're going to teach you even starting this early on at weeks two and three and four. And we're carrying this through too. your core activation and your hip control, your absorption of forces, your deceleration of forces. All these things factor into a successful outcome. Oh, by the way, all these things should help your effusion continue to improve as well because you're not continuing to overload your knee. So that's really what that means. And so we'll be focusing on that all throughout. But at that 12-week mark, it becomes even more functional because now you're applying all the things that we've been chipping away at here for a while. Yeah, it's always a building up process, right? It's just consecutively taking little more steps, little more steps, little more steps. I think patients are very anxious. A lot of times they think, man, at six months, I'm going to be playing basketball again. And and probably not. Uh, actually not. Let me just say that. I haven't seen any, right? That's just because it takes a while. That's the other thing. If you weren't really good with strength and coordination before, it takes the body a while to learn it with a lot of repetitions so that you don't load that knee abnormally. So this three months on, we're doing a ton of what we call neuromuscular control. Foot on the ground, can you control your core and your hips? Because that's the key to what your knee is doing. If your gut and your butt are weak, your knee is moving all over the place when it's when it's foot on the ground. Well, this kind of puts you on the spot, Dr. Wilson. But I'm ready. The other I'm thing, <laughs> the other thing we're talking about here with these uh, patients is a lot of them are in that growing window. So then we also have like, hey, how many of these folks are growth plates are open and mm-hmm. hormonally things are sure. changing? I mean, it's, this is not just, hey, you need better neuromuscular control. Hey, this is, you are learning how to grow into this new body. And there are so many factors to that, even outside the orthopedic system. What do you think your percentage is on folks who are in that? So there, there's a way to kind of navigate that okay. also, right? So, you know, your preoperative injury stat or your pre-injury status is going to go a long way towards dictating how quickly we're moving through these landmarks, right? So if we didn't start in a great place, then it's going to take a little, you know, your, your windows are obviously going to be changed uh, because of that versus, you know, you have, you know, I'm very fortunate, you know, have some of my football players. These guys are just, you know, yeah. super rock strong, solid, strong before. as an ox. Right. Right. And they just caught, you know, caught a bad break knee on a helmet, something you know that they couldn't control. We put things back together. They're going to bounce back a lot quicker than somebody who, you know, went skiing for the first time in five years and maybe, you know, hasn't exercised as much as they wanted to, and then they tear their ACL. That's a f- much, and no pun intended, but that is a greater mountain to climb right, right, um, than, right. It, than it would be if, you know, we're already, you know, 
and tip-top physical shape. So, yeah, I mean, uh, another phrase we, we mentioned a lot is happiness after surgery is all about expectations, right? And so you have to do your best to kind of lay out that roadmap be, at the pre-op. And this, this all happens before surgery just to try and give people a realistic set of expectations about what's coming, and they're far more likely to do better in that scenario than what you had kind of mentioned there. Yeah. People are get anxious, get frustrated. I don't feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. You have to try to do your best to set that roadmap out in front of them before you yeah. go that's why we love continuity of care and interdisciplinary care because they get to have that conversation with you at week one week two week six week 12 they're having that conversation with us and so hopefully we're educating well where right expectations really are well founded uh, as opposed to well shoot i thought i thought i'd be feeling great by 10 12 weeks out right and we touched on this in the last uh, pod also, but um, the patient education piece is huge because what you're getting here is not the same as, you know, maybe your buddy's knee scope, right? And so people have a tendency to try and, you know, compare themselves to other people. And so you really have to get that piece out of the way early and realize you, you cannot compare this to just any knee surgery, quote unquote. This right. is its own special thing. That's why you're getting your own special post-op protocol. Again, goes a long way to kind of helping us uh, understand where we need to be at certain time points. Yes. Yeah. Not to, we're saying it depends and we're saying these things are general, but if, if the 12 week goal, and we would all be in agreement here, good motion, good strength, good walking mechanics, you know, looking and feeling pretty much back to normal from a non-functional like sports side. So what are, what are our landmarks? You know, when, when are we talking about jogging? When are we talking about agility? When are we talking about jumping? You know, yeah. what, what do yeah. these look like? Because they're, they're branched under no effusion, good quad control, good neuromuscular right. control. Right. And then in that umbrella, we're thinking what time frames? Well, as we're working three month, four month, five month, and six month, right, we're going to progress them from double leg into single leg strengthening, right? So the ability to do single leg squatting with core and hip control, Right, you can't go run and plant if you can't control your body in a single leg squat. So single leg at single leg squatting, single leg strength and control is a big player in saying, hey, at four or five months now, let's start to work more on this landing. Let's start to work more on more of the running. So, you know, I think I think that's one of those factors that's a huge key. If you can't handle single leg, you can't you can't be running and jumping. Right. You can't absorb and decelerate. Correct. You can't run and jump. Correct. And for some folks that may be earlier on in the sure. recovery. Sure. Have we seen folks run it? 13 and 14 weeks. Yes. Yeah. Have we seen folks run at 21 and 22 right. weeks? Right. Yes. Yeah, sure. You know, so those those are some of the factors we're running. What about agility, you know, and and jumping? That's what we call plyometrics. Yeah, so you know, some of your foot speed drills, you know, where I'm not going to load my knee joint a ton in a whole lot of knee bend. You know, we're doing footwork drills early when when we're, you know, in there at the 12 week time for sure. We're doing slow footwork drills and we're just going to slowly build those up. Jumping and landing, I would say, is a different thing. You know, and so we're going to spend a lot of time in working on your absorption from a jump, right? So I push off, I land, and how do I land? Do I absorb it with my core and my butt? Do my knees move in the wrong direction? So we're going to spend a lot of time on landing footwork soon and early. Jumping and landing, again, if I'm strong out here at four and five and six months, that's where we're working on that. For yeah. sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it, this is where it gets a little bit murky in the literature, too. You know, you're not going to get uh, as much of a consensus because it depends on tear type. It depends on, it depends on fixation type. There's a whole bunch of other things. So it's not quite as rigid or I guess I should say it, it's probably not as well agreed upon as the sure. first six weeks. First six weeks, you can get um, a room full of you know meniscus repairmen together and we yeah. can agree on a lot of things. After right. you get past 12 weeks, then it gets a little bit murkier. Right. But I think by and large, I think for most uh, reparable tears, you can at least start to incorporate those elements no sooner than uh, 12 weeks right. if the patient's ready. Sure, yeah, awesome. Okay, so return to sport. Let's talk about that. So let's say we've had a good six months in rehab. Um, and this is, I know, going to be a little bit more, it depends. but Controversial. Dr. Wilson, you know, what are some of your, let's say this, what are some of your kind of return to sport markers? You got a basketball player, volleyball player, soccer, soccer player, football player with a meniscal repair. Let's say they're at least six months out. What are your return to sport markers? you know, markers. Yeah. And you said the six months really helps you. It's not quite as rigid as say an ACL reconstruction where we have a very defined time. We know the odds are bad if you just certain times, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. For meniscus repair, um, I think the earliest I've ever cleared somebody was four and a half months. Gave me a little bit of heartburn. Yeah, sure. But they were ready, right? And they were completely asymptomatic. Um, But six months, you know, is kind of a kind of nice soft time window to look at. Um, But beyond that, you know, that's the part you can't control. Um, But the part you can't control participation with your physical therapy and how you're taking care of, you know, the management of your own knee, your own progression with the post-op. You know, I like a functional test just the same as I do for an ACL or even for, you know, some of the patellofemoral cases that we do or the kneecap, uh, dislocated kneecap cases that we do. Um, I, you know, before I send somebody for a functional test in the interest interest of trying not to set them up for failure, ideally we want to do some manual strength testing in clinic. We want to see like 85% at the least manual strength testing full range of motion, no effusion, and no pain on a pretty regimented physical exam. If we can check all those boxes, and obviously if the patient's doing well and they're stating that they're feeling like they're ready to return, then we start the conversation about scheduling them for a functional testing. They pass that, then we'll let them go back to sport. Yeah, yeah. so that six-month window is, again, kind of a it depends, but that's a decent window for meniscal repair, a little bit different, important Mm -hmm. than the ACL reconstruction and some of those other ones. Uh, Caleb, how about for you? Uh, you know, is your is your uh, football player ready for return return to sport at six months? What do they look like in the clinic? Well, I think the big thing is is f- the functional testing. Like when they're single leg on their surgical side and single leg on their non surgical side, I'm debating which 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 leg did they right? Have, That's a good thing again, right? So you know, we care about the power absorption deceleration explosion that they have out of that leg so when that when those lines tend to blur between one versus the other leg that that's my expectation to come in ready for anything right. willing to try right. anything confident right. in all of their movements not coming in and saying well my, my knee's been kind of sore this week like coming in kind of chomping at the yeah, bit. Like, do what, what do you got for me today? Sure, sure, I'm sure. ready to work. Yeah. You know, that patient that patient is is getting closer. And the functional testing for us really quickly is, you know, just a bunch of jumping and absorption and power things left to right. And right. we're comparing that like Dr. Wilson said within 85%. Right. Do you have to be flawless? No, 
you know, but it's got to show that you're confident. Yeah. A lot of times too, let's say we, we've got this great patient who at six months is ready to go. Then, you know, we're a lot of times too, we're going to continue to just check in with them every few weeks uh, to just talk about how are things, because as they go back, we really want our rehab to be as close to your return to sport life as possible. So at this, you know, at month five and, you know, let's say four to five and six, we're hopefully pushing you pretty hard in the clinic and making your knee plant, cut, land, hop, and, and we're seeing that it's doing well. So we don't want that return to sport to be a big change in what I'm used to doing, right? So, you know, hopefully they're, they're coming in ready to go. And we're also going to continue to follow them even as they go back just to say, hey, you need to keep actually working on some things too. I think that that bears mentioning. Don't stop rehabbing at six months. Now you might not be in the PT clinic, but look, you need to work this thing for another six months, correct? No doubt. Yeah. And uh, that's another conversation we have is the difference between being cleared and being back. Yeah, very good. And there was a great paper on this recently because something that, you know, such a subjective thing to say out loud, right? right? But especially for your athletes, they know. And the ones that have been through a surgery and been through recovery will tell you being back is different. That happens later, right? And that happens after more time, more effort, more energy. And you're going to see improvements. There's the improvements that you're going to get in your knee after surgery like this, you're still going to get them all the way out past a year. They just come in smaller increments as you get further and further out. That's an important thing to kind of notice also. And the way I I say it is that you know this is not where this lands this is just the earliest we can kind of get you back right safely that's such a great point this is super yeah. important and because you know there's there's this whole other animal that we're not even touching which is the the psycho-emotional response right like being cleared means all right sweet you know being back is that confidence thing you know how do i say i know a patient's ready in another way when i ask them to do three single leg broad jumps they don't take a deep breath before they do it, <laughs> right, right? right because they're not trying right. to psych themselves up to yeah. accomplish the task yeah well if you got to go dive for a loose ball you got to go tackle a running back you got to spike something and jump in there and land you can't take a deep breath like right. you got to right. do it yeah yeah and, yeah so. I, I like dr wilson what you mentioned in our first podcast about reestablishing normal biology and i think being back means that normal biology has finally happened and i really don't think it happens before 12 months you yeah. know and that's and that's what the, the acl paper that we were kind of referencing said the average between about 12 and 24 months for an acl reconstruction where people said okay i feel back right right, right. based on no other metric other than just their own perception of how sure. their knee is performing sure i think that's important just for patients to you know yeah you're going to maybe return to sport and you're practicing and playing but you know i want you to still be working on your game with this knee and and kind of keeping that hey you know i got to keep working for another six months i'm doing great but i need to keep that in mind kind of thinking about it it may take a solid year for you really feel good no problem slap bump go you know what i mean so awesome all right gentlemen well that was excellent so we're out to six to twelve months and uh meniscal repair so we're going to wrap it right there any last thoughts on meniscal repair no i think uh just you know knowing what kind of tear you have the involvement of the repair not i mean your your repairs are going to be some small slam dunk repairs some of these are big projects um, so it's really important to kind of know 
what kind of injury you have, what the extent of the surgery is going to be. And again, that will go a long way to understanding what your expectations are to where you're going to be at what time point and also set you up for a good outcome. Because, you know, th this is a this is an injury that doesn't want to heal, which is why the surgeons get involved. We're trying to give the body a nudge in the right direction so that it can heal. But it has to be given a chance, which means it's going to be a slow recovery. Right. And then so that, you know, means it's an investment of time. Sure. But it's worth it on the back end because the patients that do go on to heal these are very happy. This ends up being as close to the same knee that you had before the injury. And that's always the goal. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Dr. Wilson, thanks again. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure.